Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. I am here with the Emmy-nominated <laughs> Sheena Shea and Jeremiah Smith from Vanderpump Rules. So it's good to see you guys. And I thought, you know, just a week or so outside of BravoCon, it would be fun to take stock of this phenomenon that we've been a part of for many years now. Yeah. And yeah. still cannot believe it. And so I would say, Sheena, what was life like before Vanderpump Rules? If you can go back in time, what was life like when we started working together on the project in 2011? Tell me, tell me everything. Where were you? The Sir Project. Yes. The, originally. That's right. The Untitled LA Project, yeah, as we put uh, on right? our calls. Right. <clears throat> My voice, as you can hear, is still struggling post BravoCon. All good. But gosh, going back to like 2011, I mean, I was a server at Villa Blanca. Yeah. I was auditioning for jobs. I was acting, I was hosting, and I never thought I would be on an Emmy-nominated reality show in 2023. It was unthinkable at the time, and I often say that I think one of the achievements of the show is not just its relevance, but its longevity. It's really hard to last that long. There are no odds on it. And at a certain point, once the show keeps coming back, then I think sometimes people take for granted that it will continue to run. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. And that's why I'm proud of the Emmy nomination, right? Is that for that to happen in its 10th season, Jeremiah, what was it like for you to come back to the show after a year off and then helm something that was nominated for an Emmy? I mean, it was it was crazy. I took, so I, I yeah, I was, as you know, I worked on the show season one through eight, and then that's when COVID happened. And I took a couple years off. My wife, my family and I, we bought a sailboat and lived on a sailboat, and we were off like sailing around the Caribbean. And you called me, I remember, I'll yeah. never forget. It was like April of 2021, uh, yeah. right? And you're like, hey, I know you're uh, sailing around the world, yeah. but do you want to come back for season 10 of <laughs> Vanderpump Rules? And I was like, yes. I do, um, and I, I was so happy to come back because I've loved working on this show since the beginning. It's been like such a big part of my life, um, and to come back and be running it now uh, was such an honor, and then to have that be like the season that got nominated for an Emmy, I mean, it's just literally something I never expected because you see like the shows that are getting nominated, it's like, you know, it's like all these high brush. It's like Queer Eye and Paul <laughs> and Top Chef. And it's like, well, we're the guilty pleasure show. So to like break through into like the mainstream of an Emmy nomination, like literally never, never expected it. Well, I feel like what happened in the friend group this year, you know, was so raw and real. And yes. you had those moments, not to toot my own horn, but you know that last conversation in the last episode of last yeah. season with Sandoval and I, it, like, and it, with him and Ariana as well, it doesn't get more real than so that. So raw. Yeah. I literally cried watching, because I wasn't there the day you spoke to Sandoval. Yeah. And like, when I saw it, I was just like, tears, like running down my face, like just so fucking hard. I didn't know how they were gonna be able to edit that scene. Yeah. You know, when you film something like that, it's over an hour, sometimes an hour and a half long conversation. I'm like, how are they going to take this and make it into a few minutes? And I remember at the FYC event, I met the editor who worked on that 
scene. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, you captured every emotion, every moment in that. And it was incredible. And he was so thankful. He's like, I just, I, you know, it took me so long to do. And I just, <laughs> I, I hoped I did a good job. And I'm like, no, you literally captured the entire essence of that conversation. And it was incredible. I, I, it's, you know, why sometimes bristled are being called a guilty pleasure and not to be, uh, you know, self-aggrandizing, but we're also a really good show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so, and I would say that that is all the way around. And by the way, then we'll stop blowing smoke up our own asses. <laughs> but, but it feels are, so good. But, but, it, <laughs> but, but it's true though. And it's a commitment from everyone all the way around. And, you know, I've often said when we've done press for the, this past season that, I do not think there is another show that could have picked up cameras the way that we did. And that is, that's, you know, something that we all hold together. I don't think there's another group of participants on a show that would have been that willing to be that open in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the power of it. And then I think the agility of the team is remarkable. So I could not be more proud. I have to credit you guys because, you know, we should have been done by oh, then. Yeah. Like, we're like, the season's over. And when we reached out to you and we're like, all right, guys, this is happening. Yeah. We're going back up. Like, not one of you protested. You were just like, all right, let's go. Yeah, and it wasn't bring, just bring like on. one day. It was like two weeks. Yeah. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I mean, I, almost at a certain point, we're like, we could keep shooting and make another season. Oh, wait, we have yeah. a reunion. Right. Which was an original question of, you know, how much should we save for the reunion? And thank God Jeremiah was one of the advocates for shooting right away, <laughs> knowing that we would have lost the emotions of the moment. And it would, it's far different, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're on a stage with yeah. a whole bunch of people. Well, going back in time, so the other thing, Sheena, that's remarkable to me is the difficult experience that you had initially on the show because you were the outsider. You were coming over from yeah. Villa Blanca. And then the other thing is dealing with all of the Brandy stuff. But for you to have the balls to have that conversation with Brandy, something like, what were you thinking at the time? I don't even know if I was thinking. <laughs> I just, I knew that it was a conversation I needed to have. And if that was going to happen in front of the world, you know, so be it. I'm a person who will always admit when I'm wrong. I will always apologize and own up to anything I've done. So in that moment, I knew I owed this woman a conversation and apology and so much more. So if that needed to happen with cameras there, then I was like, you know what, bring them. This is something that I was a part of. And although I did not know this person was married, I continued to believe him every time there was a red flag. And I felt like I needed to have that conversation with her face to face because it was something that was weighing so heavy on my heart and soul. And it just so happened that was in front of the world. But I mean, the most seamless transition in reality Ever. television history. Well, and one that is often imitated, but, you know, can never be replicated because yeah. of the circumstances of it. But I thought that really, I thought the bravery that you and Brandy showed and the vulnerability on both sides. And to me, the way that it crossed the hour and we sort of moved from Brandy's POV to yours mm -hmm. was um, very cool. And to me, you know, became, I don't know, something that set the tone for the show in the first place, where this was a show that went there, right? Yeah. And I thought, you know, even in when we initially shot what's called a presentation to get the show picked up in the first place. So we, you know, did sort of a canvas of potential participants in the show, and we zeroed in on an obvious friend group that had the messiest relationships with each other, <laughs> right? So, I mean, I always say, like, that cast sort of selected themselves. Um, and then we shot a few scenes 
And we ended up essentially using all of them uh, in the show itself. We sort of shot them to test whether we had a show, right? Whether we had mm -hmm. the makings of it. And one of the scenes that we shot was you and Stasi having a confrontation, obviously, that became memorable. Yeah. You know, of the home-wrecking whore. You literally are taking shirtless pictures with Sheena, the home-wrecking whore. But, but again, I, I would just say that there are plenty of people that are not up to having that conversation and putting that out there for a national television audience. Really tough. How do you handle the criticism that comes with putting yourself out there in this way? And then I want to move to, for example, a week ago at BravoCon. But how do you, how do you handle it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it definitely takes a certain type of person to be in this industry. It is not for everyone. You have to just really be a strong person inside and try to stay out of the comment section and not let what people say get to you. But it's impossible. You wouldn't be human if nothing ever got to you, you know? So for me, I just try and remind myself that I'm telling my truth, that I'm putting it all out there, and that eventually in whatever version of the story we're telling of mine, I know I'm helping someone. Someone's able to relate to me. Someone's been in this position before. Yeah. And uh, I just do my best to try and prove that I'm so much more than that. That, yes, I was in an unfortunate situation when I was 21 years old. I'm now 38 and a half. But <laughs> 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 Who's counting? <laughs> you know? But, um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so I feel like just trying to be the most authentic version of myself and being as open and honest is all I can do and let people say what they're and Jeremiah yeah. how do you as production manage that because there's this feedback loop right yeah. and you don't want the outside noise and it's never been greater than it was this season which we'll get to to then impact people being themselves because the interesting thing is documenting reality not documenting people's response to a comment section how do you yeah. handle that no it's hard and it's honestly it's only gotten harder and it's gotten worse because like we, when we started in 2012 like there weren't podcasts that were covering mm -hmm. our show there weren't meme accounts and fan accounts and subreddits and all these places that people could share their opinions yeah. and so it's gotten harder and i've seen you guys struggle with it at various stages and like everybody like every single cast yeah. member at some point has struggled with you know what people were saying about them online. The hardest part for me is when people are judging when they don't have the full story. They yes. maybe don't, you know, follow on Instagram, listen to the podcast and all of that now where you can get so much more of the full story. And it's like, well, I saw this scene and you were this person and now this is how I feel. And I'm like, but wait, actually, there was like so much more that happened. Yeah. Like, I know we are going to get into BravoCon, yeah. but there are multiple reasons I was in Sandoval's room and nobody knew that. And then I'm just getting booed in front of thousands of people. And I'm like, you don't know why I was there. <laughs> well, so let's talk about that. Let's, let's get into BravoCon because yeah. it was one of the big headlines was Sheena booed. And usually booing is reserved for someone yeah. who has, you know, done something notorious or infamous or that has been met with, you know, recent disapproval, um, not just being in someone's room. I understand these are different circumstances, Okay, clear the air. Why were you in Sandoval's room? Well, it started because I was having a great conversation with Captain Jason about his charity and what he does to help children all over the world. And the bar closed, the lights went on. As we're all walking down the hall, that's where everyone else continued to go. And we're like, well, we're having a great conversation. Like, let's just go. We sat on the couch. As you see in the story that Sandoval posted, I'm literally sitting in the corner 
talking to Captain Jason. We finished our conversation. After that, I pulled Sandoval aside. I told him I did not like the things that I heard he said about Ariana that day on the carpet. I said, I don't care if you're saying she did this. You deserved what happened to you. I don't like that you're continuing to bring things up. You keep picking the scab. I need you to let her heal. Stop talking about her. Talk about your band. Talk about special forces. Talk about anything else in your life. But let her be. And I literally put him in his place. And Captain Jason can attest to that. He was there for part of the conversation where I'm yelling at Sandoval in his room and then I played everyone my new song and then I went back to bed and that was it <laughs> of course you did but you know I just I was like everyone want to hear my new song boy crazy and we did and then I went back to my room but I'm like part of me being in there the interaction I had with Sandoval was pulling him aside and being like you need to stop doing this because it's not fair she is the person who needs to heal and she needs to stop hearing you talk about her on your podcast on press and on the carpet just just stop what was his reaction to that? He's like, but, but, I go, no. There's no buts, there's no doubling down, there's no defense mode, anything. You messed up, you need to own it, you need to be remorseful, and you need to move on. So I'm not even gonna let you say anything else to me. I'm gonna go back to my room now. I just needed to say that to you. I needed to reiterate that to you. I had said it to him earlier backstage after or before the Bravos. I then said something else to him in the car on the way, but I was like, just one more time. I'm just gonna put this in because I feel like I'm the type of person who can get through to people like him or Jax and I really feel like they listen. So I was like, I just wanna say to end this night, stop fucking talking about her. And then I went to bed. And then for context, how did this come up at BravoCon? You're on a panel. Because I guess there was another panel that yeah. Ariana was on with James and Lala. Right. And James was saying that Lala was in the room. And then Lala's like, I wasn't in the room. My friends were in the room. And Jerry O'Connell was like, who was in the room? Who was in the room? And then Ariana was just like, Sheena. And everyone was like, oh. And I'm like, I was in there defending you. <laughs> like, there, it, But again, that's like a story being put out there without full context. No one knew why I was in the room. They just assume I'm in there partying with him. When I was having a good conversation with Captain Jason, I then put Sandoval in his place. And then I went back to my room. It's just so weird that like the public's reaction is so it happens so quickly and and loudly that right. like they're getting this like real time and that was happening during filming season eleven yeah. too, mm -hmm. where the the internet, the public, however you wanna to refer to it, is reacting to things that they're seeing online, what they think is happening. I, I want you guys to be just, you know, living your lives doing what you want to do and not worrying about like, you know, how filming a scene with someone or talking to someone or going to someone's hotel room is going to like, you know, be interpreted by an audience. And, you know, so it's, it is tough. I will say it is tough. And also so much during season 11 happened that no one has seen yet that yes. led to that hug that you see with Sandoval and I in yeah. the teaser. That was the second to last day of filming. Yeah. It was like, it took a lot to get there. And until everyone sees that, it's just like. Like in, there, in the timeline, they're still at the reunion. Yeah, totally. With the audience. A, but I think the things that frustrate me and part of the reason that we're doing this show in the first place is that there is a portion of the audience that vacillates between conspiracy theories and that's thinking the worst or thinking that everything is set up and thinking that 
they know it all. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to sort of open up the relationships behind the shows and the process a little bit, demystify it, because there's a conversation that has been taking place without us. Right. And so we're trying to be a part of it. And what I would say is, I have a great appreciation for everyone that I work with who is in the shows and who makes the shows, because it's really hard to drown out that noise. And that's our job. Right, and so that's sort of the that's the tough thing, and I think season eleven of Vanderpump is a primary example of this because it's unlike any other season. We're able to make season ten in relative quiet, mm -hmm. and that's how. By the way, that's even how everything happened the way that it did, and it went under the radar. Right, right? and I mean yeah. that would never happen. Like I don't think right now I have to say that there's any major scandal that we don't know about because I don't know how anybody would pull that off. Oh, no. The paparazzi would catch them. Right, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. totally. Yeah. So but by the way, I'll, I'll say like you know as far as like living in the comment section because I, I go on Reddit and I, yeah. I like to see what people are saying oh, about no, the show. Oh, not Reddit. Yeah. Right. But when I, it drives me <laughs> insane, like like when it, it, the, these are the moments where I want to like respond. Yeah. It's when people are claiming that like production sets something up or I production mm -hmm. is pushing a certain storyline or production must have done. It's like, it's it's not true. I, know. I didn't do that. I, yeah. But absolutely. See, so you get it. Yeah. Well, I always say. A little bit. <laughs> I don't get it as bad as you. Yeah. No, I, because we're not, uh, you know, public figures, right? But so, but it does frustrate me because it's questioning the integrity of everything and everyone. And I think if you could get, if we could get that many people involved in a conspiracy to tell a certain story, like we're both more talented than I think that we are, <laughs> more creative than we think that we are. And it just isn't, it isn't like that. And the other thing is you see the joy, hurt, pain, all of the emotions that everyone goes through, that is real because no offense to the cast, which is very talented, but not, no one is that good of an actor. I actually would ask you guys how you would describe season 11. For me personally, yeah. it was the hardest season I've ever had to film. It was honestly harder than going through a divorce on camera. Really? Yeah. You Just, did a lot. You did a lot this season. You went through you. a lot this season. Yeah, I did. No, it was... Um, Even outside of like the stuff related to Tom and, and Ariana, like all the stuff that yeah. you went through with your family, with Summer and Brock, like I, I was... I was fascinated by all that stuff Thank as well, you. and you really put it out there. I think I finally just decided that, you know, I mean, I'm not perfect. It's no one is perfect, and it's okay to show the imperfections. I feel like for so many seasons, I was guilty of trying to only show the pretty side, trying to be like, oh, no, no, everything with Shay and I, everything's great. I have butterflies and this and that. And it was like, I felt like it was this whole which I know Katie does. Um, I think it's called like the assumption theory or something. It's like if you assume this or whatever, then it eventually will be. And I felt like in the early seasons, I would just tell myself everything was perfect and I would tell everyone else everything was perfect and then maybe one day everything would become perfect. But that's not the reality. And when I got in the relationship with Brock, we come back season nine and then 10 and now 11, I felt like, you know what? We are not perfect. Yeah. We have a very real marriage. We are parents who deal with differences in how we want to parent and him and my mom butt heads and we butt heads, but that's okay because at the end of the day, that's relatable. This picture perfect, you know, cookie cutter mom and dad, that's not the reality. So I finally have felt more comfortable in showing the uncomfortable, 
the stuff with Tom was hard in itself on another level, but just being open about everything in my personal life at home, I felt okay finally opening up about that. We'll, we'll see when it airs, but, um, but well, it you, felt good yeah. to not hold back for once. No, you seem liberated and you definitely did not portray an image. Yeah. Um, which is which is hard, which people do in real life anyway, let yeah. alone, right? I mean, when cameras are observing them. I want to talk about your guys' working relationship. Do you guys remember when you first met? I do. Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first day we met was the first scene that I ever filmed on uh -huh. the show, which was uh, with you and Tina McDowell mm -hmm. at Dragon Herbs. Yep. I still drive past that place, and it's just like <laughs> is it so still nostalgic. there? It's still there. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's still open, but the sign is still there. Just like That's Villa Blanca, funny. the sign is still there, but... Dragon it, Herbs is still there. Right. Yeah, and I like I, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no business producing on this type of television show, <laughs> and I came in and I was just like, "Hi, I'm Jeremiah, the producer. Like, what are we gonna do?" But yeah, you guys talked about like you were going for a callback for the Pink Power Ranger. I was. Um, yeah. I think Tina had a show coming up, and uh, at like the Roxy, or you had a show. There, you know. But I, I think that was the first day that we met. Yeah. And you were nice and lovely and so was tina yeah but yeah and she showed you the ropes go. She, <laughs> yeah i will say and i say this to jeremiah too i think he has been one of the best people to work with on our show but he was absolutely the best choice for the job when bill left the show to have jeremiah someone whose heart was also invested in the show but from season one to be able to have him be our showrunner it was just the absolute best decision anyone could have made. Well, it wasn't really a question to us unless he wanted to continue to sail around right. the world, which I just, you know, really couldn't compete yeah. with. But I think we were at an existential moment. I mean, the truth is, you know, I push back on all of the claims um, that, uh, you know, we needed Scandaval to happen. We did not. We made a great season last year. So it let me, let me, season so 10 was, was great before the scandal. So let me just say that completely clearly because there are comments that have been manipulated um, and which you clarified mm -hmm. on your podcast because I, because I said something like the timing, it was perfect, meaning that we found out about it at a time in which we could then cover it right before right. the reunion. And But we did not need it. However, we were flagging after season nine. We were a show that was showing its age. We had a bunch of cast changes before the season mm -hmm. and COVID beat the shit out of mm -hmm. yeah. this show. And we had a procession of theme parties that were not particularly interesting and everyone's God, life was fit. no and everyone's it was life like was like on lockdown that, that's exactly it was static so then at the end of that like once we had uh you know the demise of lala's relationship and some other things happening then tom we and katie's divorce was obviously tom, and that's what i was gonna say then yeah tom and katie's divorce was sort of the headline and that's what we thought that season 10 was primarily going to be about and it was for a period of time right yeah but i but i think that definitely you helped breathe life into the show and I think that um, you know I part of what I'm trying to relate as well to the audience is the importance of the relationships and the trust between production and the cast and so I think to have that reservoir of goodwill and for the cast to not always like you because there are times when you're pushing them in ways that they may not like in the moment and we'll yeah. get to that in a second okay um, but to know that it comes from a good place and, you know, to be working as a collective is really 
important. Mm-hmm. I, I've so I've I've thought a lot about like how I would define our relationship, like the producer and cast relationship. Yeah. And I think the best way to describe it, and I'm you guys tell me if you feel differently, but it's like it's like a it's a coworker that you're very close to. So essentially at the end of the day it's a professional relationship. But you know, you know a lot about each other personally. You can joke around. You may see, you know, you you see each other outside the office occasionally. But it's like sometimes we're friendly. Sometimes we're confrontational. Sometimes we're therapy. You know, I'm your therapist, and it, it's a it is a complicated is. relationship. Yeah. Um, but I try to, and I, I I think I said this on the BravoCon panels, all a blur. I, I like I try to give every cast member the sort of same agreement. It's like, I'm going to help you tell your story and, and help you get across your point of view to the best of your and my ability. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to do that with you, but I'm also going to be doing that with someone that might have a different point of view with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that someone that might be in conflict with you. But if I do that equally and fairly to all of you, then I feel like then there's no like breach of trust there. Yeah. And that's one thing I do feel like with Jeremiah, I just feel like you're getting so much more of the full story. And I feel like that's what the audience really resonates with. And Jeremiah has done a great job at capturing all of those moments while, you know, being fair with all of us who are often in conflict with each other. That's hard, right? I mean, at any given moment, you're going to be on the shit list of the person who is struggling. I mean, that's that's life. And I, I think... I would add to your description of a relationship that it's a different kind of workplace, too, in that the if you want to refer to the cast as employees, and even that is, you know, isn't completely clear. But what I would say is if their job is to open up their lives, that's different than in any other workplace because usually your job is to get work done. And right. it's not yeah. that, right? You know, I would say that uh, this show represents a particular challenge because we have a closed universe and... We, it's never worked on this show. We've talked about it a million times whenever we have tried to add from outside. So whenever the restaurant would just hire someone and we thought maybe they'll integrate into the group, this group didn't give a shit, right? And so there are very few people who ended up sticking around and it's James, Lala, obviously, are the mm-hmm. primary examples. And to some extent, too, I would say Ariana, you right? Could, because, I was say, yeah, you could because, say Ariana. And, mm-hmm. and so I it was a little bit different because it came out of a relationship right away. And so, but still. But otherwise, what we were trying to do in later seasons of the show was still utilize a group of people who worked at the restaurant. And we've never deviated from that. But we were trying to incorporate two generations at once. And I think that was the challenge. That didn't work. That was, I mean, and that led to things like, uh, you know, Jax's beach day mutiny, right? <laughs> and trying to get everyone not to go because that was initiated by the new group. Right. And therefore, Jax thought that was invalid. And by the way, who wants to drive all the way out to Santa Monica on a Friday afternoon? <laughs> get it, right? <laughs> Except Gina. Yeah. Geographically desirable for you. Right, So that's different. We, we've talked about this, obviously. Yeah. I think that in in the middle seasons, there started to become this debate, this conversation between us and the network is what is Vanderpump Rules about? Yeah. Is it about a, a staff at a restaurant, you know, that, or is it about a group of friends? Mm-hmm. And so I think that season eight was kind of the attempt to like, all right, well, 
to kind of answer the question, right? Like, so we had these other people I think that we, were working we there. We weren't answering the question. That was my biggest problem was that I thought our answer was just yes. Right, that it's about both, and yeah. and I well, think you right. kind of had to make a choice. I think that it proved it in the yeah. end that it was like, and this is what I always truly believed is that at the core, Vanderpump Rules is about this friend group, mm -hmm. and you know the restaurant was an amazing, uh, you know, workplace and brought you guys together. It was our peach pit. It was it your was. peach pit, <laughs> and it's iconic, and it will, and and the show never. I don't think would. Are you calling Lisa Mack? <laughs> the show wouldn't have worked without sir totally i think from at the beginning yeah. but once you know the viewers got to know you guys yeah. enough you guys evolved and eventually like cycled out of the restaurant i always felt that the show could continue with you guys as a group of friends mm -hmm. and obviously sir's still a part of it and you know tom tom and pump r.i.p yeah. um but uh it's i think that season eight sort of showed us that the friend group was the, the, the defining factor even more so than the restaurant was. Well, totally. then let me ask you at this point, it seems like we're at a pretty existential point for the show. How does it continue now? Because the friend group is strained and without getting into developments this season, right? But still, and there's a natural lifespan to any friend group and to mm -hmm. any television show. Like, what do you, where do you think the show goes from here? Does it go from here? It's a tough question because you know the 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 scandal, the affair, however you want to refer to it. It really did fracture the group, and you know, in season eleven, we we are attempting to pick up the pieces, sort of seeing where you know everyone ends up and what the relations are. But like, it, I mean, it's certainly possible that he did so much damage to the group that like. It doesn't go on. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I hope that's not the case. Um, what I mean, what do you think? I, look, you guys are still interesting and fascinating in your lives. Yeah. I would love to keep telling the stories of your lives. But, like, I don't think that, like, personally, Tom and Ariana are ever going to get to a place where they're, like, going on vacation together and, like, you know, being, like, in a friend group together. I don't see that from from Ariana, at least. I think no. Tom would probably Tom be absolutely okay with that. Would. But Ariana won't. She's She remains relatively pretty unchanged in her stance towards right. him since since the affair came out. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, an ensemble cast. It's not just Tom and Ariana, but I feel like this season that we just filmed, it was trying to figure that out. For me personally, trying to see, you know, do I just stay team Ariana and say F Tom forever? Do I try and work towards a path of forgiveness for me personally? Do I try to be his friend again? Do I, is that me being disloyal to her? And it was this whole inner struggle all season long where I'm like, I have things that I need to work through so I can sleep at night. So I can be a present mother. And it was so hard and I don't know that Ariana will ever understand how hard this was on me personally because yes it didn't happen to me I wasn't cheated on but there was a lot that he did do personally to me and I'm someone who always tries to work towards a path of forgiveness because that's just who I am and so it has been such a struggle to try and stay loyal while working on putting myself first. 
And it's an ongoing struggle, obviously, right? I mean, which BravoCon highlights. Yeah. Outside of Ariana, I feel like I was the person next mostly directed by all of this, but I'm not allowed to feel anything because it's not about me, because it's only about her. And so me struggling with how can I tell my story while still keeping it about her because it's not about me, but it kind of is about me. And just that whole struggle where it's like I always put everyone else first. And I feel like this is the first season where I'm like, I have to do what's best for me first. And hopefully everyone understands. And I'm still figuring out what that is. What that means. But I mean, I lost weight after the scandal. I was in court after the scandal. I was fighting rumors online about my own husband after the scandal. I mean, it really did a number on me that I don't think a lot of people realize. So still just like trying to move forward with that has been so difficult. Yeah. I know there's no easy answer to that. Again, this is the reality of the show and this is where we all take umbrage to the idea that any of this is something that we've discussed or planned in advance. I also wonder and you know, I'm curious what you guys think. It's like how how is the audience going to react? Like, are they going to be sympathetic to his story, to your story? Or is it going to be like passionately team Ariana? Are they going to just think it's all bullshit that we're even like tell, trying to tell these right. more nuanced stories? And that's growth. Also, the audience is they know when that when people are putting on airs or when they're trying to control their own narrative, the audiences are smart. Mm-hmm. And and I say this to you guys all the time. The thing that people respond to is honesty and authenticity. That's right. When they see someone being yeah. exactly just real right. and raw. That no, even if it's ugly, if it's if it's embarrassing, that's 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 what they want, and that's what they respond to, and that's what they like. The one sin the audience will not forgive is inauthenticity. So you can get away with pretty much anything else, you know, within a certain range, yeah. right? But if you are not real and not honest, the audience picks up on that. They mm-hmm. do not like a phony. And I think when people calibrate their behavior to what they think the audience wants in a given moment, they're just destined to lose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't ever work in my favor no. when I've done that in the past. I'm <laughs> the first one yeah. to know that. And had that perfect relationship with Rob work out. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've learned my lessons. I've grown. And, you know, I hope... The audience sees that season 11 and just understands what a difficult position I've been put in personally and that I'm just trying to, you know, be a mom that my daughter is proud of. Well, no one I would rather be on the ride with than you guys. Same. So fun to see you, fun to get together. Um, We, you know, in summary, have no idea um, where we go next. (laughs) And that's to be determined. It's been years that have changed all of our lives. And um, I look back on it really fondly, whatever is next. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Go to the show notes below for more information on how you can listen to Bravo's Hot Mic. 